We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred and sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. We're in the final week of the exhibition season. The Green Bay Packers will take on old friends and Pete Carroll. And that's really it from the Legion of Boom. I hate the Seattle Seahawks team. But Pete Carroll was kind of the face of that, along with Richard Sherman and Michael Bennett and a couple others. But Carroll's there. The Packers will play them. They'll welcome them to Lambeau Field this weekend. Jordan Love is going to play as are the rest of the starters. And whether that's good or bad, whatever, I think that debate is long past, served its purpose. You know, the Packers have played their guys. And so far, knock on wood, feverishly. You know who else plays their guys? Andy Uh, Reid. Andy Reid has always played his guys. I don't know if they're pumping too bad or not, but I'm kind of at the point that if Andy's doing it, I'm fine with it. I don't have a very – I mean, I probably wouldn't play them, but I don't have a very strong opinion. Like I said, it just doesn't really matter. That debate, that topic serves no purpose at this point because Packers are playing their guys, and they've said why. And they said why they haven't in the past. I think they'll change their philosophy in the future as needed. But for now, they're they're playing their guys, and they're going to do that this weekend. Uh, the important stuff here is – kind of reaching its point. You know, the Packers have one more preseason game. Like I mentioned, that'll be Saturday at noon. Then they have cut down day on Tuesday. They'll cut their roster from 90 to 53. And then of course, sign their practice squad and and go from there with the initial 53 man roster, which of course will be churned. And we'll talk about some of that stuff tonight, but Morley real quick. I just want to go big. Well, first of all, the biggest takeaway from, Saturday's game is thank God Isaiah Bolden is okay. Um, was released from the hospital. Everything was fine. Um, but my question to you, Morley, is what's your biggest takeaway from Saturday night's game? Well, I think you wrote a really nice piece about it, honestly, over at uh, uh, SI. What, what is that? What is it? Give, Packers give Central. What is it? Packers Central. Packers Central which is affiliated with sports illustrated, right? Yes. Well, okay. it's, that's, it's a weird thing. So we're supposed to call it Packers central. So that's what I call okay. it. Packers central. Uh, but I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Like the Jordan love stuff is all fine. I think we're kind of at the point where uh, we we've gotten a pretty good glimpse. I think of what we're going to see out of them this year. I think we're going to see really high highs. I think we're going to see some lows of low. Um, but I think the biggest thing that we saw is 
the guys more than just saying it, more than just saying we were we're ready to ride with Jordan Love, like they went out and showed it on Saturday with the the you know the dirty hit. I mean, I I didn't appreciate that hit either. That the you know Jordan is obviously sliding. You got the big guy behind him just falling on him. I loved I loved that it was also some of the younger guys on the team. I think Zach Tom was the first one there. And you love to see that out of your young offensive lineman. You love to see, I mean, half the team coming over to defend their quarterback. You love to see Jordan love, Jordan getting up and being pissed about it. And and he was the first one to throw a shove. And he let, let what's his face? I don't even know who the guy was, but the guy that fell on him, I know he, he did not appreciate that. And I think that gives you a glimpse into what Jordan is feeling as far as, hey, I've sat and waited for three years for this opportunity and for some jackass to jump on my back like that and potentially ruin that. Like I'm going to take exception to that. And the rest of the offense did as well. And I think the fact that they're willing to fight and they're willing to kind of scrap uh, for, for their guys is important. And the thing about that is we've always seen that because you know, if Brett got hit, you know, Winters would be there. Mike Whale, Rivera, well, they would be. They would Brett be there. was going to get up and do it himself. That he would have. Kind of he would have. Only like you almost have to, as the coach, be like, "You're not taking on Warren Sapp," which which is here or there, right? Like he would have. Right. You're right. Brett would have been the first one up, but those guys would have been there. And I think Brett maybe knew that a little bit as well. Like I'm gonna get my shot my shots in until old bag of donuts is here, you know, and then I'll kind of step back. Rogers was a little bit of the same way. Rogers was more like he would just jaw at you if you hit him. And he knew that the TJ Langs of the world, the Josh Sittens of the world would be there. And now you get Jordan, who I think is a little bit of mixture of both of those two in his response with him coming up and kind of and we haven't seen that out of Jordan either. You know, that fire. He's he's been such kind of a laid back guy. He's been he's been the second quarterback for three years, and he's kind of laid low and just absorbed as much as he could. And I think it's been really neat to see kind of now that he is the guy, he is the number one. It's it is his team. How he's handled that, and and I thought that was my biggest takeaway from the game. Besides beside the fact that man, he was really good after he got hit too, and that he was good that whole drive. I think it's interesting to kind of recognize that going into like the whole, yeah, it's been three years since he's gotten his shot. He's ready to roll. He seems really juiced up at the beginning of games. And it seems like that is a recurring theme. And I'm not saying he's Patrick Mahomes, but that was a common theme for a young Patrick Mahomes. His first year, his first, really his first two years as a starter is him to come out and and just throw a rocket ball over Travis Kelsey's head. Like you kind of see, you've seen Jordan Love do. Um, and that's not to say, again, I'm not comparing Jordan Love to Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> like the guy's going to go down as probably the best to ever play. But just that level of, you know, the blood gets pumping and you got to kind of settle into the game a little bit. I think we talked, you and I talked about this just maybe even last week or the week before that Brett was the type of guy that he wouldn't really settle until he got hit. And maybe Jordan's got a little bit of that in him. I don't know. Like, we really don't know because we've hardly seen the guy. Um, I just was on the lead with uh, John Papa. Papa John. I don't, how do you, I don't know how to say his last name. Don't Pretty ask. Good. I don't know. Um, but he, we were talking about this too. And, and I'll, I'll ask you what he asked me because I thought he brought up a really good point. And we were just kind of talking about floors and ceilings for Jordan Love. And I've kind of settled on as far as Jordan's ceiling. I really see a lot of Matt Ryan in his game. Uh, and if you gave me, and I told him, if you give me, if you say, Hey, you can sign up for Matt Ryan's career right now for Jordan love, you take that, you take one MVP, you take a quarterback that is going to have your team in Super Bowl contention every year. Oh, and by the way, who did Matt Ryan win his MVP under Matt LaFleur? So we talked about that. And I think, I, I do think that's a good comp for Jordan love, but he talked about like, well, what's his floor? Because he's not just going to straight up suck. I don't think he's going to come out and be, Zach Wilson, right? As an example, someone that's just terrible or Justin Fields throwing the ball, just not good. Right. 
and he actually brought up another Bears quarterback, and I thought it was interesting as far as like floor. And he brought up uh, Trubisky as a guy, which is obviously not something you're going to root for. But Trubisky was a guy that he's still in the league. Uh, you could probably win a game or two with him. He's he's a backup. Um, but the Bears went to the playoffs with him as their starting quarterback. Um, so I want to I want to kick that back to you uh, as far as the floor and ceiling. And uh, do you agree with those two guys, or do you have? you know, someone else or something else, just a different thought completely on that. I just thought that was an interesting, an interesting topic. Yeah. I I will admit that I suck at player comps. That's why I don't really do them. Um, But since that is the question at hand here, I will like Matt Ryan is appropriate. I think love's arm is stronger. Like he has more arm talent than Matt Ryan had. Uh, But Ryan, I think is, a quarterback that has become underappreciated based on the way his career played out. Um, he was a guy who, like I said, he won an MVP. He was in the MVP conversation in other years. I think that would be a very good career for Jordan Love to have. The floor, I would say, I just don't like the way that my my good friend, uh, his name is Nick, and I don't have permission to share his last name on these circles, but he said something along the lines to me once of like, his arm won't allow him to be, you know, Jimmy G or Kirk Cousins or that, you know, insert game manager meh quarterback here, which is why it's kind of scary because then his floor is like Drew Locke or someone, and I know that's pretty common uh, comp for Jordan Love, but like someone like that where, and the bad is really, really, really bad. But the good is like, this is why I can't quit you. Like I need to, I need to see every single chance that you're going to fail because of the things you do when you succeed. And that's interesting. So I, I, you know, I think what I've gathered now is Wendell Ferreira, and I'm sorry, Wendell, if I just butchered your last name, but said over the weekend that Jordan Love isn't going to be bad. Zach Wilson, you know, players like that that you mentioned. I think that's something we've learned this camp in preseason. It's just a matter of how good is he going to be? Does that mean he's going to be average? Does that mean he's going to be, you know, all the way up to to Patrick Mahomes? I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I will say, I think I said this after the first preseason game. And I've been talking about that a lot this, you know, regular season that three and 14 was on the table in my head when the preseason started, just because again, we have no idea what the quarterback is and we still don't have a great idea, but we have a better idea now, if that makes sense. But I can't picture with the way he's played this preseason to say, yeah, that team's going three and 14. Now, are they going to have games where love stinks up the place and throws three picks and you're just after the game? Like, man, that was tough. Yeah. That's going to happen. Don't want it to happen, but that's going to happen. But I think there's going to be enough good this season to where, like, I just can't picture the Packers only winning three games and being one of the worst teams in the NFL, barring, like, Love getting injured and or everyone else around him getting injured to where he's playing. The thing about – I don't want to – I'm not a Sean Clifford should be QB1 type guy. But I think they I think they win more than three games if Sean Clifford is their starter. Oh, game. I don't know. Because don't I'll tell know. you why. And I'll tell you why. Because he's crazy enough to win a couple games that he shouldn't. Like that's the, the that's what I've seen out of him is he is the type of guy with like the moxie to just have like three or four really good games a year. Like, I mean, almost like a Ryan Fitzpatrick type esque, you know, where it's like Man, either he's throwing four touchdowns or he's throwing five picks. Like, and there's that not Fitzpatrick. Be yeah, the Fitzpatrick comp isn't a bad one either because he's a good enough athlete. I just, I don't know. Like, I know the results have been okay, but like, there's been some hospital oh, dude, balls. Don't sign but... me up for that. Like, that's. I'll say I just like with with the Cliff Dog. I at least at the very least, he has proven that if something catastrophic happens to Jordan. 
it's going to be interesting. It would at least be an interesting team to watch. It was I think he's be, proven at minimum he's an NFL caliber quarterback that was worth a draft pick, which yeah. when they oh. picked him, like that was not something a lot of people felt. I think an NFL source texted Huber and basically said, undraftable, this guy sucks, or I'm paraphrasing a little bit when I say that, but like it was bad, right? So it, that thing that thing is interesting. But the point I'm getting at with love in general is – I think he's good enough. The problem is the Packers and teams in general probably shouldn't settle for good enough at the quarterback position. You know what I mean? Like, especially in a situation like green Bay where green Bay has the draft capital to where, you know, they only won five or six games that gets them to say seventh in the draft. And Jordan love looks quote unquote good enough. It's it's been rare, but it has happened where like like Alex Smith was good enough. Andy Reid went and got Patrick Mahomes. Jim Harbaugh benched him, Alex Smith again, for Colin Kaepernick because of the ability to be dynamic. Jimmy Garoppolo was good enough. The 49ers might have struck out on Trey Lance. That remains to be seen still, I think. But those guys were good enough. But a lot of teams look for great because the easiest, most direct path to being good year in and year out, and we've seen this because we're Packer fans, so we know, is having a great quarterback. And those guys are hard to find. I, I fully understand that. So I'm interested to see how it goes. I will say like, I'm a lot more confident now than I was when the preseason started because when the preseason started, I, I, I had no idea. And Yeah, and I think a lot of people were in that same boat. I mean, not – not everybody was as uh, gung ho about Jordan Love as myself, but even and even I like I didn't know. I just like the kid. I've liked him a lot since Utah State. And yeah, and Jacob I, Morley. I don't know if you guys know this, but there are actual tears that come out of his eyes when there's any like suggestions that like if Jordan Love passes gas, it actually smells I, bad. Dude, he doesn't fart. Morley might. <laughs> Morley <laughs> cries. When that happens. So I don't know if you guys know that. It's like it's like it's his son or something like that. Well, like his actual child. What if so what if I said mean things about Rashawn Gary? How would you feel? He's actually my child. That's the difference. <laughs> no, dude, I've maintained this entire time that the worst thing that could happen is Jordan Love is just okay. Yes. Like I, I want you to be great or I want you to suck. I don't because I don't want to be in that QB purgatory of yeah, he's okay. Uh, and on that, that note, that is them. why one, you mentioned a story I wrote about the fight. The story I was most proud of that I wrote this week, I am always pushing against narratives and analysis. That is one of my things. And everybody with this year, with like Rogers leaving and everything, everyone's like, oh, well, now the Packers will get the, you know, we'll get the quote unquote true Matt LaFleur offense and this power running game, and they'll commit to this running game and run more. Did you guys know? Morley. I'm going to assume you didn't read the article, but just based off of what you think and know from last year, do you think the Packers finished in the top or the bottom half of the NFL in terms of passing percentage, like amount of times they threw their percentage of time they threw the football last year? I guess they're either in the bottom or somewhere in the middle. They are in the bottom. Uh, they were 18th of passing percentage. So just in the bottom half of the league, but that is with like the way that they are talked about amongst Packer circles, you would think they were like second or third in the NFL and just threw it on every single play. Kind did of you, thing. did you extrapolate that back a couple of years? Like even right. Um, Cause I want to say, I want to say that's not anything new either. Like even when Rogers won his two MVPs, he won his MVPs because they ran the ball well and he was so damn efficient. The difference though, is that, the Packers were winning a lot of games in those years. Last year, they were not. True. Like, yeah. They were down a lot. You're down in the fourth still, quarter. Why are we running the ball? <laughs> right. Still committed to that run game. So my, my point is that, one, the Packers have kind of been a below average in terms of throwing the ball team percentage-wise anyways. But my take with Jordan Love is, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong, maybe teams will just respect the speed of Watson and Musgrave and read right off the jump. But my take is that teams are going to say, Jordan beat us. 
and I think Green Bay has to be willing to oblige. Don't try and protect the young quarterback. If he's going to make mistakes, let him air that sucker out and let's throw the football all over the lot. I don't number for a lot of reasons. First of all, I'm not the guy who says like you need to run the or never run the ball, but your offense needs to be built around your passing game. Those are the most successful teams. Like even like when people point to the Eagles last year, the Eagles threw the ball the most in the first half and the least in the second half because they're beating the piss out of teams. So they could just kind of lean on you and run the clock out that way. But I, I always go back to the old Mike Leach quote and that RIP um, 50% run and 50% pass. That's 50% stupid. And, you're, and my, I was just going to say looking up those numbers. So if that's the case, that, that is exciting for Jordan love too, though, because any, everything he's shown us so far, is he's willing to take whatever the defense is giving him, and he's willing to get the ball where the offense dictates the ball should go. So I'm interested to see how that plays out. But we, I mean, we've talked about Jordan Love at nauseum. You know, my last thing with Love is that the reason I want them to air it out is to the point we've kind of been making. You have to know what he is, and mm-hmm. you can't know what he is if you baby him. Like you, the whole point, one of the whole points of developing him for two or three years when you drafted him was so he could be ahead of the game, ahead of the curve right away. Now he's going to make mistakes, all that good stuff. I understand that. But Matt, if you're listening, he is throw the ball. Do not give in to the Packers Twitter complex that demands that you run the ball far too often. Throw the football. You have a quarterback, you have capable playmakers. Throw the ball. Nonetheless, let's move on to the next part. Of this show. And that, Mr. Morley, I want to talk about real quick is the guys that like how many guys they're going to keep at certain positions, what you think they're going to do, like where could they go lighter at certain positions. And there are specific players that probably jump to mind almost immediately when it comes to like that. For for example, I am of the belief that seven receivers, for example, is excessive. I don't think the Packers need to keep seven receivers on their 53-man roster because you're going to end up sitting two of them on game day anyways. Six, sure, I understand that. Uh, But the big name that I'm getting at is the edge position, for example. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, Kingsley, and Agbre, who, by the way, was like the best player. He's the highest-graded Packers defender for pro football focus through two preseason games. He's been phenomenal. Justin Hollins has been a good player, and he's kind of been rotating with an Agbre as a starter with Preston Smith since Gary's been on the shelf. And then there's Brenton Cox. That's the big one who comes to mind. Who's had some nice moments in the preseason as well. Pretty consensus would have been a top 100 pick. Had he not been dismissed from two sec programs during his college career in order to keep him though, you have to go lighter at other positions. Now quarterback is an easy one to me. Sean Clifford, Jordan love, whoever the third guy is, You can put them on the practice squad. Is it Alex Magoo? Is it a waiver claim? Is it something like that? Frankly, I don't really care because if the Packers are playing their third quarterback, they're probably in a world of hurt anyways. But figure out who that guy is, stuff him on the practice squad, then you can elevate him if there's an injury or something to that effect. Running back is another position like that to me. With the game day elevation rules, Patrick Taylor, Tyler Goodson, Emmanuel Wilson, great story, all that stuff. Cut them all. And you'll be able to probably sign all of them back to the practice squad. Receivers, Malik Heath, Dante Vion Wicks, Grant DeBose. I personally put Samari Toure in this group. Apparently Twitter's not thrilled with my take, the fact that I don't think Samari Toure is anything more than just a guy, but that's fine. You're certainly entitled to that opinion. If it were me, the six I would keep are the draft picks and then Watson and Dobbs. And then I would, or, well, the three draft picks from this year, Watson, Dobbs, Jaden Reed, I would, and Malik Keith, and I would cut Samari Torrey. I would cut Samari Torrey now. To push back on that is the the way they've the way they've used their receivers in camp and through two weeks of preseason. I think their top five is pretty much set at uh, Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Torrey, and Wicks, and then I think it's a toss up between Heath, Dubose. Yeah, those two. I don't think Bo Melton's in the conversation. I nope. just don't. Um, so I think it's those two guys, right? And wouldn't it be the most Packers thing ever if we talked about – because I, I think personally I think they're going to keep seven. And I think that's because I think they're going to view Malik Heath as um, 
a, a special teams guy as well. He's big body. He's a big bodied kid. Um, I don't. He's not a Tyler Davis replacement, but I think he can play a lot of teams like that. Um, he can be on. You know, he can be on punt block, punt return, kickoff, kick return. He can probably be on all five. Uh, so we'll see with that. He hasn't played a ton of teams though as well either. So that's the thing. Um, but in any case, how interesting and how Packers would it be if we sit here talking about, man, how can you cut Malik Heath? How can you cut Grant Dubose? Like I wouldn't. And then they only keep five and they cut both of them, <laughs> you know, like they've done stuff like that before. And the thing about the wide receiver position, and I'll go back even further, the, the running back position, uh, because everyone's fallen in love with Emmanuel Wilson. And, and for good reason, the guy's been, he looks like a starting running back in the NFL. I mean, he leads the NFL in missed tackles forced right now. The, he had that one run on the right sideline where it's just like he had no business breaking two of those tackles and and running hard, and, and he's got the breakaway speed. He's got all that. But as Coach LaFleur will point out, they don't really care about that at the third running back position. And that's why Patrick Taylor keeps getting that job because they don't view Patrick Taylor as a guy that – is ever going to have to come in and really play significant stat, uh, significant snaps at the running back position, right? If Aaron Jones gets hurt, it's going to be the A.J. Dillon show and vice versa. And they might pull up a Tyler Goodson um, or whatever, you know, and, and let one of those guys jump Patrick Taylor, right? You know, jump Patrick Taylor as far as carries in the game. And people are going to be like, what is going on with that? But um, that's just kind of how it is. But in any case, the running back in the wide receiver position, every single year we have to talk about this. Every single year, the Packers have guys they like, you know, one through eight at a wide receiver. Guess who else does? Everyone. Go to any fan base, go to any team, and they're all having the same conversations. Oh, how could how could they – How you know, the Chiefs are a great example, like Justin Ross – who has a spinal fusion or whatever, has played really well, he's still fighting for a roster spot. And Chiefs Twitter is freaking how – how could they get – how can they not have Justin Ross on this team? Well, if they cut him, I guarantee you no one else is going to claim him. Like, that's because they got – everyone's got their own guys they want to bring back. So it is really rare that these guys get claimed. So I think when you go light at positions, those are two positions you could go light on and sneak guys onto your practice squad. Um, the running back and the wide receiver position. I think the positions that the Packers in the past haven't done that is offensive line. Um, they kept they kept Caleb Jones on the roster last year as kind of just like, hey, we like. He this was guy. on the practice squad. They signed him what? to the active roster. Yeah, they cut him. Did he not they- make the initial cut? Hello, friends. First of all, I just want to say thank you for listening to and being a supporter of the Packaday podcast. You have all helped make Packaday one of the most downloaded sports podcasts in the world today. And I want to sincerely thank you for that. For those of you who don't know, Packaday is part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. It's our partnership with Blue Wire that allows us to bring you this amazing Packers content 365 days a year. Blue Wire currently has over 300 shows with former athletes, celebrities, media professionals, and passionate fans like us. Over the past few years, they've raised over $10 million to grow and operate business and support podcasts like the Packaday Podcast. Now, Blue Wire is raising another round of funding by utilizing WeFunder. This funding will help support Blue Wire sales team and improve operations. This is giving everyone the opportunity to be a part of a growing company. This is not a donation. You are literally investing to own a piece of Blue Wire. A few years ago, I took the leap and started partnering with Blue Wire, and it was one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I'm hoping you'll consider doing the same. If you would like to be part of the Blue Wire investment round or want to find out more information, go to wefunder.com slash bluewire. That's wefunder.com slash bluewire. And remember, supporting Blue Wire is another way to support the Packaday podcast and our Packaday podcast team. Thank you. Hello, friends. As many of you know, a few years back, the Milwaukee Bucks were in the NBA Finals, and I desperately wanted to go to Game 6 in Milwaukee to see them win the championship. As you can imagine, prices were insane, and I kept going back and forth with different apps to try and find the cheapest tickets possible. I finally found them, clicked purchase, and of course they were gone. 
goodbye game six of the NBA finals. Now, thankfully, the day of the game, I was able to find a ticket, but the entire thing was so expensive and way too stressful. I really wish I could have simply used game time to alleviate all of the stress and all of the hassle. I've started using game time app for purchasing all of my tickets, and I wish I would have done so sooner. From low prices to easy to find tickets to last minute ticket deals, the game time app is perfect for all of my ticket needs. Game time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and so much more. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and roll for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PACKADAY for $20 off your first purchase. That's code P-A-C-K-A-D-A-Y. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PACKADAY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He got cut. They signed him to the practice squad and then he got elevated or they signed him pretty early. I think like week two or three because another team was trying to poach him. But the point you're making is appropriate because it's the big guys, in my opinion, that are the ones that are the most at risk for getting moved because it's the old Ted Thompson adage. The good Lord only made so many of them. Well, with all due respect to running backs and receivers, there's a million of those. There just are. There's a million guys like you said it last week in next year's draft class. There's an Isaiah Wilson or an Isaiah. Good Lord. I said Isaiah Pacheco in my head. There's an Emmanuel Wilson. There's a Tyler Goodson. There's a Patrick Taylor. There's and a bunch of teams have guys like that. You know, that's, that's kind of the value. Now they may have a guy or two move on because they want a chance to go somewhere else and say, Hey, it's just not going to work here. I want to go whatever. But when you start looking at players of like, Hey, if we cut this guy, he's in, actually in danger of getting claimed, which I think Andy Herman had the stat of last year. It was like 10 players in the entire league that that happened to. So 10 players total. But if that's going to happen, one guy is Brenton Cox, in my opinion, pass rusher, high upside, could have been a top 100 pick. I understand why he, I know he wasn't drafted, but I understand why all you got to do is figure out like, Hey, he's kept his head on straight throughout camp in green Bay so far. Maybe that's the way that things are going to be now. Some team I think would probably take a flyer on him. The other one in my mind is Jonathan Ford and not that he's like this spectacular player, but again, just a guy that size that has played okay in preseason games by accounts has taken a jump from last year. Brian Gutekunst said he's played better this year and at a position where Green Bay specifically, you mentioned before the show, doesn't have a ton of guys that are that big, you know, Colby Wooden and Carl Brooks, those guys are penetrators, rush the passer, make plays in the backfield type stuff. And by the way, they have kudos to those guys. But if there's a guy who's going to get claimed when you cut him, I just, I don't think it's going to be, maybe if it was Dontavian Wicks, cause he was a fifth round pick, the Packers aren't cutting a fifth round pick most likely, but Grant DeBose, 
I don't think he gets claimed. He missed a vast majority of camp with a couple of injuries. Malik Heath went undrafted. I don't think much changes in that regard uh, for and him, it, again, because he own, plays a position. And you know, Jacob, you know this. Scouting departments in the NFL are very arrogant. Yes. They they will say, hey, we didn't we didn't draft Malik Heath because we didn't think he was any good. We don't care that he went out and had a good preseason for Green Bay. We're going to stick with our eval. You know, like they – Scouting, you know, depart those guys in the NFL, they don't sway like we do on Twitter, where we go after one preseason game. And I'm guilty of this too. And most because it's just it's fun. You love to confirm your priors on guys like, oh, look at look at so and so. He played awesome in the first week of the preseason. Or look at so and so. He played terrible. I told you he was terrible. It's all dumb, you know, and that's not how scouting departments operate. They they will go and look at their pre-draft evaluations on these guys. And if there's someone that they really liked that they maybe couldn't get in or they wanted to draft that gets that shakes free. Those are usually the guys that get claimed. Yeah. Everybody wants to confirm their priors. There's no question on that. I just, those are the two guys in my opinion on this team, if they were to cut them that might get claimed, but otherwise, again, these receivers, and again, like you said, we do this every year. Like I remember the gnashing of teeth over the guys like DeAndre Burrell and Tory Gurley and Miles White and just all these camp superstars. Now, I will say, do I, I will, say, I will this, say this? I think Malik Heath's a better player than all yeah, of those guys. I, just I was man, you just you stole the words out of my mouth. I was going to say with the DeAndre Burrells, the Gurleys, all those guys, they were like camp darlings. They're like, oh, they look really good in practice. He's looked really good in games. And so, you know, Wicks looked good in his first week. He led the team in receiving his first week out there. Uh, Dubose has gone out there and I think showed why a lot of people thought he was better than a seventh-round draft pick. I mean, the the catch that he had, I tweeted this, like the catch that he had where he skied to go get it, took a huge hit, got up smiling, and was just kind of looking at the guy with the smirk and signaled first time. That is him. Like that was the guy at Charlotte that everyone's like, wow, he's – He's got some flash. Um, so I don't know, man. That's going to be interesting. Back to the so like the J.J. Ford thing. Let, talk through that because how many defensive linemen do they usually keep, five or six? It's around – It's they've usually gone lighter at that spot because, remember, they've – especially lately, they've had Z or Rashawn or guys like that that kind of play inside. But they haven't had – Lucas Van Ness has not taken one rep as a defensive tackle that I can remember, whether in camp or in the preseason. And I don't, that part could get interesting, I guess, because yeah, I mean, Ford is very clearly the sixth guy, right? Yeah. Slayton, Wyatt, Clark, and then I just don't think they would have, I mean, they rostered Ford all last year. I just, I don't know why they would cut him now when he's gotten better. He's gotten better. And not only that, like you said, it's, it's simple, not simple. I shouldn't say that, but you find a way like to go lighter at quarterback and running back. That's, that's where you find extra positions. But so you go heavy. Way. So you would go heavy at de- interior defensive line and, and pass rusher, and then so that's you. You're talking about keeping twelve guys at at the edge position and defensive line. That's I mean that is a lot. That is that is a lot. lot but this is a team that's kept ten or eleven offensive linemen in recent years, and mm-hmm. this year, like some of the decisions have been made for them. But you figure they have their starting five: Rasheed Walker, Yosh Nyman. Caleb Jones and uh, Sean Ryan. That's nine guys right there. That have Andre Campbell being hurt kind of throws a wrench into that too. Cause you could say, Hey, we really like, we Eric really Wilson. like Campbell Quay. Yeah, but then, yeah. Eric Wilson is one of their best special teams players. And Basachi is probably going to, going to have a pick. Of, he, the special he's teams thing is the part that throws the wrench into it too, because I did a 53 man last night and Eric Wilson, Tariq Carpenter, that, um, Anthony Johnson has played a lot of special teams this preseason. Dallin Levitt is here because Rich Bisaccia is here. Like, there are Rudy Ford. I think Ford is safe. He's going to make the team. But, like, right now, yeah, if you had to ask – Six safeties again? I mean, they can't. I think they're going to. Just – I mean, they're going to do what they want to do. But that's – I was able to do that. I'd have to go six, back and 12, find 18. my roster. But I had it that way. It's a lot. So, yeah, I know that, but then you just you're lighter at court. So you're I light went, at tight, and you're you're going to be light at tight end. So I had two quarterbacks, two running backs. I had four tight ends if you include Deguara. So Musgrave, Craft, and Allen. 
I had nine offensive, or excuse me, one, two, three, four. I had 10 offensive linemen. I had six edges. I had six defensive linemen. And then I had four linebackers. So I did go a little lighter there. I didn't keep Wilson at five corners and I had five safeties. So I did only keep five. I cut Dallin Levitt though, um, which was what I was kind of getting at with there is I know Levitt was brought back for special teams, but like this is a team that this year especially has leaned younger. That's been the tiebreaker for everything. Like we got this guy, we got the young guy. Well, we're going to go with the young guy. The kicker situation is a really good one. Like Anders Carlson would, should the Packers have brought in competition in a normal setting? Probably. But they said they're not going to do that because it's one of their young guys. So, um, you know, the way I had it, I had Savage Ford, Jonathan Owens, Tavarius Moore, and Anthony Johnson. Um, and I, I did that for that reason. But that's Anthony um, Johnson was another one that was brought up. And he's led the team in special team snaps. I think that tells you everything about what is going to go on with him. He's not, I don't think he's getting cut. No, I don't either. And I, I did a couple weeks ago, but the injury to Ennis Gaines did not help him. Uh, or it helped Johnson. It didn't help Gaines because Gaines is a guy who they've had that could, he kind of could get the nod for being like, Hey, I can play a little slot corner. I can play a little safety. And obviously he's one of their core special teamers that way. I don't know. There's always a surprise or two every year. My surprise I had was they kept Jake Hansen as a 10th offensive lineman as like the backup center. But I could see that, you know, them cutting him and and going with only nine on the offensive line, just with the ability of Zach Tom to do everything. Um, I don't think Royce Newman's going to make the team, but maybe he will. Like, again, if, you know, they've, they really They're, have liked him. That would be, that, that would be a position I wouldn't be surprised if they made a claim on. Offensive for line? As, for as, well, as deep as they are at tackle, I don't, I don't think, I don't love their depth at interior offensive line. No, you feel Unless okay you about having to run like, behind the show. I don't, I mean, unless you like, well, Zach Tom is their backup guard. And so I do think that's the way it's going to work though, is if, if somebody gets injured, Zach Tom goes to the spot that's injured and Rashid Walker, it sounds like Rashid Walker is the guy who comes in and plays tackle. I do think what that's are they going to do it? So what, so what do they do with Josh? He's a starting caliber tackle in this league. I think here's the thing is with, and I know they say they have it under control and I know I've preached like that. Bakhtiari's injury is is in the past and he hasn't been injured and blah, blah, blah. But that being said, Bakhtiari is a guy who has missed time. I think you just keep as many guys as you can. If you can find a suitable trade for Nyman, then sure. But by I know you said that you'd be tempted if the Jets like locked in their one and sent a four. Here's my thing. I have no interest in helping the New York Jets because the Jets are have a pick that affects the Packers. So I'm willing to take the risk of Rodgers getting hurt to keep their offensive line poor in hopes that he just plays and they finish seven and 10 and it's because yeah. their line stinks. Like I hope that's forget, the way that things go. Let's not forget Rodgers is tough as hell. Dude's played a full year. Oh, with yes. broken it's, yeah, it's, broken, it's thumb, broken ribs. Yeah. Like he's probably going to get hit a lot more this year, but that guy's not coming out of the game. No, Rogers physical toughness is one of his most admirable qualities in my opinion. But when it comes but to Nyman, like, I, I, I don't know what you, I'm just asking, what are you trading? Like to me, it's like they had a second round tender on him. So to me, it's a three and up. That's yeah. when I would, tra- and like if for somebody that's going to come back and say, they'll never get a three for Yosh Nyman. Okay, fine. Then and he stays on. like, yep. because then, like you said, you know, Zach Tom is their backup guard. Cool. Um, if, you know, somebody gets injured and Tom moves in. Well, now Nyman is the swing tackle because Rashid Walker is in the game now. Yep. Like Nyman is now their swing tackle and they figure and things out that way. So. Anyone that's watched these Packers teams the last several years, if they keep 10 linemen, they might play all of them because it might. Oh, and the offensive line is it's a war of attrition. You know, but yep. the starting five that we're looking at now, it sounds great. Not all five of them are going to finish the season. I can almost promise you that. And that's that is kind of what sucks for Tom is I think I think he has the potential to really take off as a right tackle if they just let him play there. But the chances uh if if he is your backup left guard, if he's your backup center, if he is your backup right guard, the ch- chances are he's going to play as many g- games on the interior as he is right tackle cuz you're 
expecting three guys to stay healthy for an entire year. Like that's just, I hope they do, but man, that's, that's just, and I that's, had the thought earlier this week that I wondered if Rasheed Walker's promotion this week had as much to do with Zach Tom and Josh Myers as it did with Yosh Nyman to where like, if they feel like Walker could like the Packers have done interesting stuff on the offensive line before, but then my thought was that Walker could start the season at right tackle and they move Tom to center. But then LaFleur said this week that they think Myers has done a nice job. You know, I know that we as fans are very, and especially when it comes to a position like the offensive line, where there's just so few people that know what the hell they're looking at, that we just keep the one play in our mind. And Myers is kind of now on that side of like, well, this is one of our guys who's actually not that good. So we can, you know, he can get criticized. We'll blame him for something when it goes wrong. You know what I mean? Like Dean Lowry was that guy for years on defense. The thing about Myers is he's actually played well in the games. It's just now it's, it's the snapping that for whatever reason has become an issue. And hopefully it's just something that gets worked out. I know it might've been Bill even that made the point. It's like, that's the first botch snap that Myers has had with love in a long, long time. And obviously that's a cat. That is a catastrophic mistake to make for Josh Myers. I'm glad he did it in the preseason because that's going to be burned into his mind all year now. Like yep. if he jumps, he better be offsides, you know? Well, so, and when it comes to the, that position or that position group, the Packers are better off if Josh Myers can be the center because right. now you know, Bakhtiari and Jenkins, those guys are plugged in over there. And hopefully they stay healthy for 16 games because if they do, that's the best left side probably in football. Right tackle, then like you're saying, this is where now Zach Tom can just focus on being the right tackle. And, you know, I have scenarios in my head where David Bakhtiari stays healthy this year, wants to stay in Green Bay, gets an extension, and the tackles for the next, you know, three to five years are Bakhtiari and, and Zach Tom and – without Jenkins as a guy who's going to be around for the next three years at minimum, you know, that's, that's a party that I am ready to be invited to. Mm-hmm. And then you just have to figure out center. And you, if you don't have to figure out Josh Myers, great. And then you just got to figure out right guard. Cause I don't think John Runyon's going to be on the team next year, but that's a separate I think they topic. Want, I think they just really want Sean Ryan to take that job. And, and they've, I think they've wanted guys. I think they wanted Royce Newman to take that job. And then he did with Sean, Ryan, I think Sean, Sean Ryan gets a, he's kind of in the same boat as Myers, right? Where some people have pointed out that he struggled and he did struggle last year. But if that guy won, won, he was a huge project coming out of UCLA and was, was drafted kind of high, I thought. But he has all the physical intangibles to be an mf as a guard. And if he can make a similar jump that he made his rookie year to his second year in year two to three, He's a starting caliber guard in the NFL and probably who they want to be to replace Runyon Jr. But maybe not. I don't know. And, and the other, you know, Yash is a great example of that. Someone that like his first three years, a lot of us were like, what is this guy doing on the roster? This guy stinks. And then they threw him in there at left tackle during the regular season. He held his own. And now he's, I mean, honestly, he's probably going to get, a nice little, you know, a nice payday, probably not from the Packers, I would assume, but someone is going to pay him this offseason. Um, so that's going from a UDFA to someone that's developed throughout their career and is going to get paid. And might maybe the Packers will even get a comp pick for that too. That's something to consider with, with Josh. I'm interested in Nyman's situation just because, like, this is a guy who went from starter, not always, like, in a battle to be a starter to now he's a third stringer. Like how does that affect his potential payday down the road? Maybe, and maybe it has nothing to do with him. Maybe it's just like, Hey, Tom and Walker were just awesome. And that's what, yeah. that's what it is. I'm not at practice every day. I can't tell you, I, I that's just, what it's but I can tell you the people that I've asked I, and I have asked anybody who's there, they've said, it's not like Nyman has sucked. No. So it was just and kind of surprising. Here's, here's the other thing. I know for a fact, they really, really like Caleb Jones. Like at the beginning of this year's training camp, Caleb Jones was kind of the guy that they were hoping he would do what Rashid has kind of done. You know, obviously he got hurt and he could be a guy that they just stash on the IR. I, that wouldn't surprise me either. Um, but depends got, how this week goes. The Packers have practiced today, so we should know. Like, 
if somebody comes back. Jones, you know, that's where Jones and Tenuta and, and players like that, that's where the whole wrench gets thrown in with some of these, you know, who's making the roster, who's not kind of things is, you know, if Tenuta is going to be out till like week 11, they'll just put him on IR and say whatever. And then maybe they'll do an injury settlement or something like that later to give him a chance to go play. But like, that's where I'm interested to see how it goes. I'm interested for 2023. I'm also interested for 2024 because the Packers two starting tackles for this season may not be their starting tackles for next season. Not necessarily because like Zach Tom's not going to be on the roster, but like maybe they do something different with who knows, you know, who knows what happens. And the the situation around the offensive line is interesting. Um, and not only that, I, I will be convinced of this until I see it not happen. One of the deepest positions in this year's draft, according to those that are in the know when it comes to the draft, you can buy a copy of the green Bay draft guide next year. When that time comes is the offensive line group. And the Packers are going to probably have, well, they'll definitely have at least one first round pick and they might have two. And I would be very surprised if one of those two picks is not an offensive tackle, even if Bakhtiari's back, just because that's the, the way that that's going to be. But I'm curious how that goes for now and into the future. I also think that those are decisions that should not be set in stone. A lot of the season to tell you the story on there. Morley, anything you want to get to before we wrap? Last thing I'll say, because the Packers have been so weird with their offensive line lineups the last few years, my projection for their starting offensive line is going to be David Bakhtiari at left tackle, obviously. Zach Tom, your starting left guard. Elton Jenkins, your starting center. John Runyon Jr., starting right guard. And Rasheed Walker, your starting right tackle. There you have it. Now, that would be interesting. Elton Jenkins has played center before back in the 2020 season. So, Dude, Elton Jenkins would be an all-pro center. But the yes. problem is he's an all-pro guard. So, Yeah, I would just leave them the hell alone. But yeah. the Packers are weird and they don't care about that. Just, yeah, of- just, just them being weird. But I'm weird too. So let's get out of here. We are. We're out of time. Check us out next week. We'll be back. It'll be regular season time. Morley and I will have – we'll be recording the night before cutdown day. Um, so we'll have some stuff for you then. Then it's regular season time, guys. It's not too long before the Packers take on the Bears at Soldier Field to open the Jordan Love era. Check us out. You can follow us on – X I X the Twitter X. What what the, I don't know what we're calling it anymore. You can follow us there at Jacob Westdorf. He's at Jacob Morley. We're out of time guys. Thanks for stopping by. See you next time. <laughs>